Another opening, another show. At least, that's what the cast of this production thought. As people waited to come into the theater, excited for what stories were about to be unleashed to them, the cast backstage were dealing with information they had not expected to receive. The news was dire. As the orchestra began to warm up, the cast's thoughts turned to themselves. How they would recover was yet to be seen. Everyone has a story to tell. We have a bottle of wine and an ear to listen. Welcome to Anecdotal Dote. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anecdotal Dote, the podcast that celebrates the stories and storytellers in all of us. Don't think that I was just sucking helium. My voice was just really high there. I'm John Seidenberg, the guy who once wrote an original musical using a classical music CD that turned basically into a drag version of Little Shop of Horrors. Joining me on this podcast is my urchin of a friend, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, still want to go back to urchin of a friend? Yes. um, Yeah, so in Little Shop of Horrors, they have... The, the Greek chorus, the trio of, of women who do the backup singing, are known as the urchins. So this is a compliment, because they're pretty sure. boss. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're great singers. Yeah, okay. Um, tell me more about this musical. <laughs> so my brother and I loved musicals, and we wanted to be in one, but we didn't really have the capability of doing it with just us. So And we had just, my parents had just worked on a production of Little Shop of Horrors. So we found this old classical music like full of Bach and Mozart and all of that and we wrote a musical using that as our soundtrack and added lyrics to it and all of that um so I can't I can't really take a lot of like the famous concertos from those um artists seriously because all I hear is the really crappy lyrics that we wrote but basically it was a king and queen I was the queen who um the queen was abused by the husband, by the king. And so she ends up going off into the forest and finds this man-eating plant who says, oh, just tell the king I have a bunch of gold in my mouth and then I'll eat him. So I'm like, okay, great. So um, I tell the king that there's a bunch of gold in, in the plant's mouth and then the plant eats the king. And then I go back, I fall in love with the mailman. And that's the end of the show. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, there's a reason why that never went anywhere. Yeah, we forced every person who ever stepped into my family's house to watch that. That's unfortunate. For yeah, them. people stopped coming over pretty quickly. <laughs> so there we go. This is how you lose friends, John. It's true. It's very true. Um, so how are you, Laura? I'm all right. Great. Case closed. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> 
Today we're talking about musicals, in particular experiences with summer theater jobs. Oh my god, summer stock theater jobs. Um, yeah, every year countless thousands of theaters uh, mount musicals and plays all over the world. And as anyone who knows um, can attest that the real drama is always backstage. Showmances, cast parties, freak accidents always occur with every summer production in theater. Laura, did you ever have a summer theater job? Yes. A couple. Great. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my summer job, which was actually six months of my year, was at American Players Theater. I'm sorry. Your summer job was six months of the year? Yeah. We started uh, beginning of May and ran through the beginning of October. And what is the craziest thing that happened to you during that? Woof. Um, golly. You turned into a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what... Um, I took over a production of Midsummer, and one day we had... I think it was four or five kids in the show that were basically... That were fairies, but they were like mini fairies. And... One of the kids, like, halfway through the run, got a nasty bloody nose and was, like, couldn't couldn't go on because he was just, like, gushing blood out of his nose. And it was terrible. It, of course, was... It happened, like, right before a huge shift. But I, like, told the poor kid the wrong thing, which then screwed up, like, another kid. And he came off stage and he was devastated and he was super upset because he felt like he did everything wrong. And I had to like pull him aside later and be like, buddy, you did everything I said for you to do. I told you wrong things because I'm a big fat liar, but you did great. <laughs> he was very upset. It's a terrible story. I'm sure I have a better one. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I worked at one, one summer stock theater in particular. I worked at for most of my life. Um, we were doing my first professional gig. I was cast in a production of South Pacific and I was cast as a Polynesian boy, um, of which I was six foot tall. I was put in darker makeup than my skin tone and I was put in a matted Beatles wig and a chef's hat and a, uh, very stereotypical Chinese rice pickers hat. Not proud of it, but um, didn't think anything of it as a kid because I was growing up in conservative Kentucky. It wasn't until a couple of years ago someone sent me the picture and I was like, oh my God. And I was so embarrassed. Um, but that summer in particular, I remember the woman who played Bloody Mary was in the movie Dunstan Checks In. I don't know if you know the movie or not. Well, there's this very large opera singer who's staying in the hotel room or in the hotel. And at one point she gets pushed into the fountain in the entrance of it. And that was the woman who played bloody Mary at my production of South Pacific. <laughs> and she's very like sweet woman, but she had difficulty going up ramps. And so I had to like push her up the ramp cause I was her assistant as bloody Mary's assistant. And I remember there was this one time where Every day we would like enter to do the scene right like when it was Bloody Mary is the girl I love. And then we would go off stage before we came on stage for her to sing Bally High. And every time we went off stage, the wings were not there weren't a lot of there wasn't a lot of offstage space. So I would have to stand in the corner and then she would stand in front of me before she we went back on stage. And one night I'm standing there trapped in this corner and all of a sudden I hear her fart. <laughs> and it wasn't just like a little 
you know, toot. <laughs> it was like a massive earth shattering sound. Um, so much so that you could like hear her butt cheeks like smacking each other as the sound was escaping. <laughs> And I'm trapped in this corner and I cannot do a thing about it. And all of a sudden she just turns to me and goes, oh, excuse me. And then she goes on stage and sings Bally High. And I was just flabbergasted at the fact that this woman who had been in a movie had just done that to me and trapped me. We're excited to welcome our next guest to the podcast. Christy Robinson is a distinguished actor with credits spanning all over the county. A member of... Sorry, Act- would you like to read that again? Maybe. What did I say? What you did said I do? county. Country. There's an R in there. Oh, sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try that again, because that oh sounds my. better. <laughs> Saying she's a member of Actors' Equity, who's worked in the county. <laughs> Penobscot County. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Christy Robinson is a distinguished actor with credits spanning all over the country. A member of the Actors' Equity Union. It's association. Do you know that? Okay. Add association. Let me just start over. A member of the Actors' Equity Association, she currently stars in Penobscot Theatre Company's summer production of Mamma Mia. Welcome to our podcast, Christy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, So, just to clarify real quick, in case people don't know, Actors' Equity Association is the Actors' Union. Correct. Particularly for stage actors. Correct. Um, how long have you been a member of the union? Almost two years. Oh my gosh, congratulations. I know. That's I'm like awesome. a big kid now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today's theme, we're talking about summer gigs. Um, so what was your first show? It doesn't have to be a summer gig, but what was your first like acting foray? A professional or like whatever. Let's let's start whatever, and then we'll go into. Professional. Okay. Well, I too have a South Pacific story mm. because that was technically my first show. I was cast as a planter's daughter, and I was also put in very dark makeup and a dark <laughs> wig, and somehow that was okay. It's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I never actually went on because I. <laughs> I still have a very vivid memory of this. <laughs> So it was uh, like the last dress rehearsal. They turned the stage lights on and everything. Costumes were happening. It was a big deal. And I flipped my lid and I said, no, thank you. I am not doing this. I am leaving. And I did. I left. Oh, my God. I quit that night. And my, I was seven years old, and my sister, who was three and a half at the time, um, took over the role like a champ. Oh, my god! And, yeah, and I remember her getting a Happy Meal one day, at, like, before a performance, and we were a very health-conscious family, and I loved Happy Meals. I still do love Happy Meals. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I never got a Happy Meal. I watched my family take a Happy Meal backstage to my sister who was starring in a show that I quit. And I was like, I am never quitting another show again. And then I became a professional actor. (laughs) I was all over a Happy Meal. (laughs) Like, this is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. 
So was South Pacific a professional show or was that non-professional? <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> no, it was a local high school production. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So what was your first professional show? Again, bringing it back to you guys, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh my gosh, what were you? I was Chiffon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> You brought the urchin. I did. I brought the urchin in a blonde afro. <laughs> Do you have a question? Nope. I literally have a list of them right there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you wanted me to come. I don't want to be the only one asking questions. Bah! Sorry. Okay. Uh, what was your first summer stock gig? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't remember. <laughs> What was your favorite summer stock gig? My favorite summer stock gig? You know, I have to say it was one that I did here. I was in Rock of Ages. I was going to, oh yeah. And. That's when I met you. Yes, that's right. We were roommates for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Sir Toby. That's right. Sir Toby is my, is my little five and a half pound Maltese. He's super cute. And he was the star of the show, actually. He, he made his, He made his way into the show. But I have to say, <laughs> yeah, Rock of Ages is probably the most wild and fun that I've had. May, maybe ever. I don't know. It was just quite an experience that I had never had before. So with Summerstock, yep. is there a particular memory that you can think of that is like the most bizarre thing that's happened to you in a Summerstock show? Yes. It's kind of morbid. Oh, that's fine. We're down for that. Okay. (laughs) It was last year, last summer, and I was out in Medora, North Dakota, of all places. But it was this, it's this huge 3,000 seat amphitheater outside. Um, Just absolutely massive in a little tiny town, historical town in Theodore Roosevelt National Park. And it has a population of like 120 people during the year, but hundreds of thousands of people come. You'd play to over 100,000 people in a summer. Wow. And it, it was insane, insane how many people came. But there was this man who was a part of the show, had a lot to do with history and things like that. It was a country music review. And uh, kind of like Dolly Parton's, you know, Dixie Stampede and things <laughs> like that. People love that stuff. Um, but there was a man who has been a part of the show for the last, like, 40 years. And in the middle of the run, he died. <gasps> <laughs> he died. Yeah. Oh my god. I I cannot make this up. I cannot make this up. So <laughs> I, like you can't shock me with anything that goes on on stage and like <laughs> listen, we're all still here. Everything's fine, you know. Um yeah, so I I showed up. I was doing a couple of shows. It was like a rep type thing. I'm doing a couple of shows. I showed up for the first show and and one of the guys comes backstage and was like, "Hey, so we lost so-and-so last night. And I was like, what do you mean? Where is he? What do you mean you lost him? <laughs> I can't believe I'm laughing at this. But <laughs> like, what do you mean you lost him? Where is he? And he's like, no, he passed away in his sleep last night. So we had to have a major rehearsal all day and figure it out. Now to our main segment, the anecdotal dote. Here's how it works. I have selected a random word only I've seen. Your job is to tell a true story based on that word and our theme of summer theater. Are you ready for your word? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Your word is forget. Several, several stories came to mind while we were sitting here. And I don't know which one to tell. (laughs) You could tell all of them if you want. Okay. Well, one of them is just like a general panic. 
and I didn't all of a sudden didn't know anything like I knew nothing and that was because I was cast as an understudy this was my first equity gig uh, at the Hippodrome and I was cast as an understudy for Honky Tonk Angels and uh, I was the understudy for all three women so I had to go and I went to every rehearsal I learned everything I had one kind of music rehearsal and that's it and it was a long run. It opened like end of May, beginning of June, and ran all the way through like end of August or something like that. Wow. It was a long run, eight shows a week. I kept getting, you know, oh, so-and-so isn't feeling well, so be ready, be ready, be ready. Oh. So it was a constant just, you know, panic and not sleeping and <laughs> all of that. And finally I got the call that I had to go on. And all of a sudden I didn't know anything. <laughs> I I had no freaking clue what was going on. I'm like, this is great. Good job, Christy. (laughs) It all came back to me, you know, when we were sitting there in that, I had 45 minutes for a put-in. That was it. I didn't have any other rehearsal at all. I had one music rehearsal on opening night. It was an interesting, wonderful, it went really, really well. It went so well. And, And the other two ladies that I was with were just beyond supportive and wonderful and I felt sick immediately afterwards I'm like I gotta throw up <laughs> I did this I'm fine um <laughs> the nervousness after the, ner- the yeah just the the kind of like the letdown of it all not that it was bad it was wonderful it couldn't have gone better I was very proud but it just that stress you yeah. know, finally releasing I was um my parents were working on a production of uh, it was a high school production of the Wizard of Oz and they hired this school hired professional scenic lighting costume and sound staff to do their shows that show itself was cursed because Toto ended up freaking out one night and like tried to maul the cowardly lion when he goes after Toto. Um, he was not happy. The witch, the f- we we had pyrotechnics in the show. And when the witch left, there was always a flash pot that went off. And one night it went off under her dress mm. as she was running off over it. <laughs> Hello. <And so> she- <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, and then there was another one where um, one of the, another one of the ensemble members was in the restroom and they had his mic unmuted. And he, I guess he had been at Chipotle or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's such awful. a fear of mine. <laughs> I always, like, I still have the microphone indent on my forehead right now. But I'll always, if I have to use the restroom during a show, I'll always cover it up. Like, I think that's going to work. It, it's not going to. Like, it is what it is. <laughs> I remember one time I was with Ben Lehman. We were doing um, A Year with Frog and Toad way back in, I don't know what year that was, 2008, something like that. And I started changing my clothes for the next um, scene. And I had a whole other scene coming up in that same costume. I mean, TMI, I was like down. I had was ready to put the other costume on. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh my God, and I was saying words that I... I don't know where I heard those words. I made them up. But they were horrible. And they came out through the house. And the TD at the time was like, hey, Christy, did something go on backstage? Because uh, <laughs> yeah, we kind of heard everything that you said. Oh and Ben was desperately trying to help me get back into my costume. <laughs> you know, like the dad and Christmas story? You know, <laughs> like, not actual words, but 
Yikes. Laura, did you know that we are international? We are? Okay, don't be so surprised by that. <laughs> yes, we officially have a presence in the United Kingdom. That's super cool. Do you know what that is? The United Kingdom? Yes. Yes? I didn't know where DC was, so I figured I would just quiz your knowledge. I can tell you it's like not like in Lion King. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not in Lion King. Wait, what part of Lion King are you talking about? The, the, the Pride Lands? <laughs> Everything you see, the light touches. What? You I'm said drunk. that wrong. I need to go home. Yeah, we okay. need to we need, take we me to the hospital. Okay. Um, not try to corner me into not knowing things. <laughs> Hello to our friends across the pond. We are so sorry you have stumbled across this American mess. Excuse me. I wonder what those listening listeners are doing right now. Do you think they're telling their friends about this podcast? Probably not. Or if they are, it's because they're making fun of us. Um, that's incredibly rude. <laughs> I just assume that's how people find out about it. <laughs> As one person hears about it and they're like, did you hear this ridiculous podcast? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. And then they all listen to it. Um, I probably should start putting hot mess as one of the the search buttons that people... Totally. (laughs) Just hot mess. And then see what comes up. You could just spread the word about this podcast to your friends and family. Help us reach new listeners by reviewing us on Apple Podcast and sharing this podcast with your friends. Yes, take a couple of seconds and review us on Apple Podcast. We'd love to know what you think. That does help us find new listeners. And you know, if everyone who listens to this were to tell two people about Anecdotal Dote, think how many subscribers we could get to. 100,000? You said that so disingenuously. Because I think it's too big. That's what she said. Um, Okay, let's move on. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, subscribe. If you didn't like what you heard, still subscribe. It doesn't hurt you either way. And thank you so much to our guest, uh, Christy Robinson, for stopping by the podcast today. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, everyone has a story to tell, especially you. So send them in. We're excited to listen. If you want to get in touch with us, like us on Facebook or email us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.